0: Hello, everybody. Welcome once again as we continue on the study we're doing of the New Testament together. Uh, we've been working through the New Testament now for well over four years, and we've been going through a chapter at a time. Um, we're in the book of James. We're going to finish up the book of James tonight. We're in James chapter five, and then uh, next time when we get together, we'll um, we're going to do First Peter, then we'll do Second Peter, First, Second, and Third John, which are all pretty short and then Jude, and then we're into Revelation. Um, so, which is a very interesting study, by the way. And, uh, and then, so hopefully by the end of the year, we'll have the New Testament done, and then we'll start the Old Testament together. Um, but we're, we're working through the New Testament together. We're doing it a chapter at a time. I tell you, we do that on purpose so that we can uh, hopefully g- gather some context out of what's taking place. Um, that, that if I've stressed to you the importance of reading the Bible in context, so that we can get at the meaning we want to be careful not to just take things you know out of what just sort of oh there's a verse and pull that out and oh there's a verse over there and pull that out without holding it into the context with which it was written and why it was written and um, even though the the, the New Testament is a couple of thousand years old it was inspired by the Holy Spirit it still applies every moment to today um, as long as we hold it in context uh, and remember, it was, it, most of the book was written into specific situations to specific people. And understanding that um, allows us to know what was being written and why it was being written. We get to the book of James, for instance, and there were times in church history, when, uh, particularly in the Reformation, um, that uh, the, uh, Martin Luther and those guys who were protesting... Um, the, the church at the time, because of the, the whole f- faith and works issue, um, didn't care for the book of James so much. Because James seems to make it sound like you, your salvation is tied to your works. And that's not what he's saying. Um, but where we find the reality in all that is understanding who James was writing to. And James was writing to um, New Testament believers that had a very extensive knowledge of Old Testament Scripture. Um, uh, Paul was writing to believers who had none of that background in the Old Testament because they were Gentile um, believers so they didn't have it but James's letters targeted at Jewish Christians who had had an extensive knowledge of the Old Testament and so he was able to write to them in a different way and uh, in different areas where where Paul was sort of um, dealing with infants um, James is sort of dealing with toddlers, um, if you would, because we're all sort of toddling through this thing still. But but there's just a difference. And so what he is writing to people and what, what James is trying to say throughout his letter is that the faith that he's talking about isn't saving faith. It's, it's a life of faith. It should be evident in a believer. Um, as the Holy Spirit is changing us and causing us to grow and to move and, and, and it's a life that should be demonstrated and um, it should be evident in the process. And so um, he's never saying that it's our, it's our works that save us because they don't. He's saying that having been saved, uh, having, having come to Christ, that now our lives should be impacted greatly by the, the power of the Spirit of God moving within us and changing us from the inside out. I remember that's... All, always a big deal, is is, uh, in Christ, the Spirit of God is changing us from the inside out, where um, the the law was sort of stuck at trying to change people kind of from the outside, and and that never works, and uh, didn't work. And so now, um, these people who knew all about the law were now getting the power in the Holy Spirit to see that, that transformation could take place and should be evidenced in their lives. And so that's what James has been about is this life of faith that be, should be produced in the lives of believers as we follow Christ. Now, as we get into the fifth chapter here, um, there's some neat stuff. There's a few neat things that he talks about that we have as resources that we're going to look at um, that, that should be being developed in us. Patience being one of them, prayer being another one, and purpose being another one. But before we get to those, he starts out this chapter and he launches in about the, um, uh, the ultimate worthlessness of worldly wealth and as we read those verses together i want you to make sure you understand james isn't attacking rich people in any in any way um, he's his point the point that he's making is that the today's money will be worthless when christ returns and so we should spend our time um, uh, the the bulk of our time accumulating the kind of treasures that will be worthwhile in the kingdom of god and and yet most of us know that it's very easy to get sidetracked and get focused on worldly things um, and so we just want to make sure that we we don't lose the balance I mean we gotta work and, and you know that's the way our, the system works and we need uh, it's, it's no issue to have money we'll talk about that um, it's just making sure it doesn't get out of priority and, and get out of its place in our lives so hold on to that as we read through James 5 together there's twenty verses I'm gonna begin in verse one I'm gonna read all the way through I'm reading out of the NIV That's was on your notes whatever translation you have will work James 5 beginning in verse one now listen you rich people weep and wail because of the misery that is coming upon you your wealth is rotted and moss have eaten your clothes (laughs) that's really heartwarming isn't it (laughs) go James (laughs) I just when I read stuff like that I go wow that's rough (laughs) that's a hard way to start a sermon you know what I mean your wealth is rotted and moss have eaten your clothes your gold and silver are corroded Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last day's look. The wages you failed to pay the workmen who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgent. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered innocent men who were not opposing you. Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield his valuable crop, and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you'll be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we consider blessed those who have persevered. You've heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Above all, my brothers, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else, Let your yes be yes and your no, no, or you'll be condemned. Is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring him back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the air of his way will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. and Blessed be the word of the Lord. All right. So, first six verses, I said pretty tough, talking about um, worldly wealth uh, and, and its, its ultimate worthlessness. And having said that, though, let's make sure we understand this too, that, that money in itself is not the problem. Um, what gets us in trouble is the love of money. That's a big difference. So... Um, uh, it's the love of money that, that can lead people to evil and, and cause some people to oppress others in order to get more. And that's what James is talking about. Paul talks about it in 1 Timothy 6.10. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and, have faith and pierced themselves with many grief. So the, the, what James is getting at here is, is that um, if money is your, sort of your source then you're going to be really disappointed uh, when, when the Lord comes back. Um, because ultimately, anything that you can acquire here is, is it's all it is. It's here. Um, and so the reality is is that um, we're to be um, storing for ourselves treasures in heaven. And we do that by living the kind of life that, that makes a difference now and forever. That doesn't mean that we still don't have, you know, bills to pay and, food to purchase and the things that we need to survive we have all those things it also doesn't mean that it's not it's so not good to have stuff there's nothing wrong with having stuff and and um, when if God has blessed you with stuff that's a very cool thing Um, as long as your stuff serves you where we start getting in trouble is when we start serving our stuff and then that's where the balance flips I think so as long as your stuff serves you you're in a great spot if it flips and all of a sudden you're spending your entire life serving your stuff, something's not right. That, that's, that's the only way I, I think that's helpful to explaining it. So stuff is cool. All the stuff, all the toys, all cool as long as they serve you. If all of a sudden you find that you're spending your entire life trying to keep your stuff going, then maybe something's out of whack. So it's just something to look at. Um, because, you know, the, the reality is what's eternal is what really matters. And this is what Jesus said about it, and that's what this means. Matthew six 19, 21. Don't store up for yourselves treasure on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So it's, it's really, you know, it's an attitude of the heart. You know, where's your, what's, what's most important to you? And hopefully it's the kingdom of God. And then everything else is just stuff, and it's cool, but it shouldn't overwhelm you. Everything's going to, you know, when Jesus comes back, and when we, when we catch up to him in the sky, and then when we get a hold of paradise or heaven, and you know we, get, we start to look at that stuff, you know, and the, the scripture talks about all the, all the minerals and all the stuff that's used in the buildings and you know streets of gold um, so, so obviously gold is not that precious a commodity when it's like blacktop you know what I mean <laughs> it's perspective so, <laughs> so um, it's, you know, it's cool why it's here but again it's, it's all perspective so all he's saying is just keep it in perspective understand what's really important and and that's what you need to press into but don't hear him say that it's bad to have stuff it's not stuff is fine um, it's just making sure that your stuff serves you. So, that's the big thing on stuff. Um, and that don't, you know, don't put your, your trust in stuff. Um, trust in the Lord. I, you know, if you've got plenty of stuff, that's cool too. But trust is in the Lord. Um, James 5, 7 through 12. He then starts talking about the importance of patience. And... Uh, and I always get stuck at patience. Paul talks about it. You hear me use this verse all the time. First Corinthians thirteen four. Love is patient. Love is patient. Patience is a is a picture of what love looks like. Um, I got a definition. Patience is the bearing of difficult problems, people, or situations, without complaint, loss of temper, irritation or the like. Yeah, That's harder than the money one. <laughs> Let me read it again. Patience is the bearing of difficult problems, difficult people, or difficult situations, without complaint, loss of temper, irritation, or the like. And, and patience is one of those things that should be being developed in us. And that's a, that's a tough one. I mean, I, I say that, I think, as an impatient, I'm some unfortunately, impatient person. I'm really working on it, but I, you know, um, you, you, you know, ultimately, we're not supposed to complain. I guess I, I, I can do that more inwardly, but not be irritated. That's a whole nother level, right? Because <laughs> you've heard my stories. You know I can get irritated. Um, and we're just not very patient. Because we, and you know, part of the, pro- too, here's another part of the problem. We live in this hurry-up world now where everything is, we move in so fast all the time, and it's hard not to get caught up in that. It's hard not to get caught up in it. And then when things aren't going at the pace you would like them to go at, it's very hard to be patient about it. Um, you know, we, we live in a world that's sort of trained us to want things quickly. I mean, we have fast food restaurants. When we go in, we want our food fast you know they have to post things up like we're gonna do our best to try and get it to you in 30 seconds or whatever that's ridiculous you, you know what I mean is and and if it doesn't come fast we start to get if it goes a minute or two you start to it's really easy to get irritated like how hard is this you ever say things like that I didn't even especially if you haven't ordered anything special <laughs> you can get it, it should take a little longer if you tell them you don't want it the way they've already made it for a million times or 10 billion times give me that thing it should come like boom. and some, if it doesn't we get frustrated or um, computers, I, you know. I, I know I'm always talking about that. I want my computer to be lightning fast, and and I don't care how fast it is now. If I see someone's got one faster, I want. Well, I, I need that now, because <laughs> now mine's slow. And, and and you probably never do that. Does that little thing when it's spinning around <laughs> and just spinning? Does that make you insane? Did anybody else you ever bang your mouse? <laughs> the mouse has and by the way the mouse has nothing to do with that function other than it's in your hand <laughs> nobody else ever does that do they what's wrong with you patience one day shipping I don't know that was cruel when they invented that because now I want everything in a day um, what do you mean I can't have it in a day <laughs> Can't you get it here tomorrow? No, why not? I have to wait. So, so part of me, and I'm not trying to justify. I'm just saying we're, we live in a thing that's so sped up that when it doesn't go at that pace, it's easy for us to get irritated and start to complain. But, um, you know, you just don't see God being in a hurry. And that's frustrating sometimes. Um, I, I, I think i've told you this i've read the gospels i read them all the time i never see jesus in a hurry i never see him run anywhere he just goes at whatever pace he's supposed to go at his friend they told him his friend was dying and it was two hours away and it took him four days to get there no he went and raised him from the dead so which is cool but still you get the deal you would think that's would be a rush you know what i mean Come on, let's, it's a two-hour journey. By walking, we can hot-foot it and be there in probably, you know, 30, 40 minutes. It took him four days. He's just not in a hurry. But, and, but that whole thing kind of is hard for us. But, but, you know, Jesus lived waiting on and watching for what the Father was doing. And he's our model for life and ministry, so we have to work on that. Patience is a big thing. And James is saying, just like Paul was, this is something that should begin to become to be evident in the life of a believer as we get our priorities straightened out that we don't always have to be in such a hurry and that we, you know, we, we really want what God wants and God's timing, and we've got to settle in that. Um, and, and so like the farmer that waits patiently for the crops, crops, we have to learn to wait on God. Isaiah 40:31 31, to my mind, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up like wings with eagles, and they'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. Then he goes on and talks, verses 13 through 18, about the power of prayer. And, and again, I think the extremely related... Um, that um, we have to become people of prayer if we're ever going gonna to develop patience. Because it's, it's only as we begin to really seek in and, and, and look for the will of God and spend time with Him that we can begin to sort of catch our breath and slow down and get off of the, the crazy pace that's all around us. And um, James uh, says that you know, prayer is a powerful thing. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And, and so, um, you know, the reality is we're to bring everything to Jesus, knowing that, that he's, he hears and answers prayer. Um, and fortunately, he doesn't always say yes to all of our prayers, because that would be a bad thing. Um, but he says yes to many of them. And he says wait on some of them. He says no on some of them. Um, but he, he hears them all. And, and he knows them. And he knows what's best for us. And, and so we have to learn about, you know, the power of, of prayer in our lives and really the power that, see there's something that, i think sometimes when we when we look at prayer we think that that we need to pray in order to change things and i and and certainly that's part of the component i guess but I, I have the thought that the real power of prayer is that it changes us more than anything and and once that's in spot then everything else it's less significant so i really think that's the the importance of it but certainly prayer is powerful and and things change in prayer and God moves in response to prayer all sorts of neat things happen and and, uh, you know we're to pray about everything every situation sickness you know um, uh, struggles happiness all of it we're to pray we're to believe that God moves into those things we have faith that he'll do that and then ultimately trust in whatever he decides to do and um, so that's a big deal and then in that same context he starts talking about confession and um, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed he's he's running those things together now um, sometimes the church has taken some of that to um, because of the connection there between um, uh, when they talk about healing and sickness that all sickness is as a result of sin and and, and that's not what they're really saying we live in a broken fallen world and sickness happens Um, certainly Um, some sin can lead into bad spots. But they're not necessarily always the same thing. So don't think of that. Some people do that, and it's a a twist on on the truth. Um, um, You know, we we get... We we live in a fallen world, broken planet, things happen. And in some measure, all of us, we all have some sin in our lives anyway. So that's not the the correlation. But there is some things... um, that can be changed in us um, and, and there's a powerful thing in confession that happens um, that, that is often very life-giving in a lot of areas of our lives and, and um, the connection is See, see, the one thing is we can go right to Jesus, obviously, for forgiveness. We've got that. First uh, John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just, we'll forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So we see that because so, some people will look at that verse, why do we have to confess our sins to each other if we confess them to Jesus, aren't we forgiven? And the answer is absolutely, you're forgiven. What's the next? The other part of that, though, is, is that sometimes... We get forgiven, but sometimes, in order to be free from something, um, talk, confessing it to somebody else, a live person, breaks the power off of it because it gets it out of those deep, dark places and it brings it up somewhere it can get dealt with. And so, there's something very, very powerful in freeing that. A lot of people walk around with this mess in their lives that they never tell another living soul and they go to God and and they're forgiven but it still has power over them because they're it's still laying there in the darkness of their lives and um, the trap is that sometimes people think well no one would understand and nobody's ever done anything as bad as I have and nobody would get it and it's that's bondage that the enemy puts on us and so um, all of us need someone in our lives that that we can be completely honest with Um, somebody and by that, somebody that you absolutely know and trust that what you say to them stays with them. and doesn't go anywhere else. Uh, and, and hopefully you've got someone like that in your life. If you're really blessed, you have two or three people like that. Because, um, you know, some of, this, some of your stuff that some people couldn't handle and you don't want them to. But hopefully you've got someone in your life like that and there's something extremely powerful in that. That, that takes that thing out of the darkness where the enemy has a field day with it pops it up into the light and it loses most of its power at that point it just kind of gets wiped away because there's nothing to hold up when it's in the light you know that's where it can get healed and so, so that's why there's such an important thing going on There are a lot of people deal with a lot of issues in their life and even sickness in their life because of um, deep, deep bitterness and, and deep shame and deep seated guilt that, that needs to be dealt with by getting it into the light so Sometimes uh, it needs to be talked about with somebody else. Uh, yeah, you know, you're only, you're, you're, it's, you're, like, you're only as sick as your secrets. So um, sometimes we, we hold stuff down that needs to be dealt with. And then he closes out the letter in, in 19 and 20, talking about purpose and mission. He says, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. And, um, and so throughout this letter, James is talking about faith in action. And, and so we're to live this life as a people of purpose, as a people of mission, um, uh, as a people of patience and a people of prayer, certainly, but as a people of purpose. And um, our purpose is, is to serve as ambassadors for the kingdom of God. We're to reach out to lost and hurting people in the world around us and, and uh, do what we can to um, share with them the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and, and, and oftentimes the opportunity to share with them comes as, as a result of caring about them and, and uh, loving them well and encouraging them and um, acts of kindness and whatever we can do to um, be, get into a place in their lives where, where we can ultimately share with them the good news we have that's loving your neighbor as yourself we want them to know what we know in the course of this life and so, you know, James is making it clear because the audience that he had knew um, the, the, the Word fairly well, but it was doing it. So we're not only to be a people who read and study the Word of God, we're to be a people that are trying to live it out. And that's a really important part of what we do. We're to be the hands and feet of Jesus, people who extend love and mercy and grace, and um, we're to let His light shine through us so that we can be salt and light to the world around us. So that's kind of the highlights of that last chapter of James. James. Um, the whole book, I think, is a great, uh, great book about, uh, you know, it's a great book of wisdom on, on the life that should, being, should be being developed in us as the Spirit of God continues to work in us and uh, transform us by all he's doing. But that's good for today. If you're watching on video or television, thank you for spending time with us. We know how valuable your time is. We appreciate it. love for you to come and visit sometime, and uh, we're not hard to find, so... See us there. If you need anything for prayer or anything, go to the website. We have a prayer page there. We'd be happy to pray for you.